If you have a Bible, and I hope that you do, please turn with me to 2 Samuel. Uh, 2 Samuel. Um, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 16, chapter 1, verses 1 through 16. But 2 Samuel this morning, uh, chapter, chapter 1. Um, read, uh, as I said, the first 16 the first 16 chapters, 2 Samuel chapter 1, verses, excuse me, um, 2 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 through 16, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 through 16, and if you're physically able to do so, let me invite you to stand with me one more time as we honor the reading of God's holy and written word, 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1 through 16, here's the word of the Lord to us this morning. Now it came to pass after the death of Saul when David was, was returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites and David had abode two days in Ziklag. It came even to pass on the third day that behold a man came out of the camp from Saul with his clothes and earth upon his head. And, and so it was when he came to David that he, uh, that he fell to the earth in, uh, and did obeisance. And David said to him, from where come you? And he said to him, Out of the camp of Israel am I escaped. And David said to him, How, how went the matter? And I, I pray you, tell me. And he answered that the people are fled from the battle, and many of the people also were fallen and dead. And Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead also. And David said to the young man that told him, How, how, how know you that Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead? And the young man that told him said, As I happened by chance upon Mount Gilboa, behold, uh, Saul leaned upon his spear, and lo, the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. And when he had looked behind him, he saw me, and he called to me, and I answered, Here I am. And he said to me, Who are you? And I answered him, I'm an Amalekite. And he said to me again, Stand, I pray you, upon me, and slay me, for anguish has come upon me, because my life is, is yet uh, in me. So I stood upon him and slew him, because I was sure that he would not live. After that he was fallen, and I took the crown that was upon his head, and the bracelet was upon his arm, and have brought them here to you, my Lord. Then David took hold of the clothes and uh, his clothes and rent them or tore them. And likewise all the men that were with him, and they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and Jonathan his son, and for the people of the Lord, and for, those, and for the house of Israel, because they were fallen by the sword. And David said to the young man that told him, where, um, and David said to the young man that told him, Where are you from? And he, and he answered, I am a son of the stranger, an Amalekite. And David said to him, How are you not afraid to stretch forth your hand and destroy the Lord's anointed? And David called one of the young men and said, Go near and fall upon him. And he smote him or struck him so that he died. And David said to him, Your blood be upon your own head, and your mouth, for, for your mouth has testified against you, saying, I have slain the Lord's anointed. Right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy, ultimately, that has appeared to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We thank you that it's through his cross that uh, a way has been, the way has been made uh, to, uh, to salvation and reconciliation uh, unto you, our Father. We praise you and thank you for making a way uh, when there was no way. And so we, we thank you that um, your grace has, has sought us out and has bought us. We pray now for your mercy to be upon us as we hear your word expounded and proclaimed. We ask for your mercy and your spirit to do the work that he has. <clears throat> that he has uh, and we pray that your name would be glorified through us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. you may be seated. 
So this morning I've titled, uh, if, if I had to give the title of a sermon, uh, anything, it would be the recklessness of being opportunistic, the recklessness of being opportunistic. And so with a title like that, you may think, well, you know, uh, uh, Brother Tim is against taking opportunities when they present themselves to which I would say, no, 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 certainly not. Uh, but, but taking opportunities or taking an opportunity that, that uh, God may sovereignly place in our path is, is a lot different than being an opportunist. Uh, an opportunist, uh, no, matter the, no matter their stated or quoted principles, they are willing to, to sell and, and sell those principles out. They are willing to do whatever it takes because, after all, the end, that's them getting fame or fortune or them getting any number of things that they desire, is worth the risk of it all. And so they, are, they become opportunistic. They, they are willing to disregard their principles in order to seek to exploit and manipulate opportunities for themselves and for their own gain. Um, they will take any and every opportunity, and an opportunistic person will take any and every opportunity to downplay the success of others and even downplay others to the point that um, they are willing to, um, to stab the other person in the back. You know, the old saying, be careful when you, who you step on on the way up uh, because you'll see him coming back down, on your way back down. And this is true for the opportunistic person. Well, the reality is, is that we are faced with such a person this morning. Uh, we are faced with a, with a situation much like this. Um, this young Amalekite has found uh, David, and he has done what he thought would be in his best interest, which was to show David and tell David that, hey, you know, um, here's a great opportunity uh, for, for me to be exalted because I have done this. I, I, did, I did you a favor. I did you, uh, as they would say today, I did you a solid. Um, and so uh, they, God, this young Amalekite, David, uh, in, in their conversation, it becomes very apparent very quickly that this young Amalekite was, um, was in fact, uh, an opportunistic person. Um, and, and, and truthfully, I mean, we, we naturally desire the approval of others, uh, but, it, but unfortunately, it can quickly fall into the realm of sin. And, and this, this was the story with this young Amalekite. Now, remember, uh, as we were approaching 2 Samuel, we are coming. This is, um, this is not, uh, the, there used to not be uh, a, a separation. There used to not be First and Second Samuel. There was only the book of Samuel. And so this is a continuation. Um, uh, the, this is a continuation of what we now call First Samuel. And so this is a, the continuation of the story. David, of course, it picks up with David going to the, uh, having waged war against the Amalekites, having returned to Ziklag. And Saul, having been killed and defeated, as God promised at the end of uh, at the end of the book of First Samuel, and so now God is bringing about His full um, His full judgment, as well as His preparing the blessing to bring David onto the scene. But I I, I would I would say this: um, we cannot miss the fact that Israel is now without a king. Israel is now without hope. They have been destroyed on the battlefield. And they are in disarray. And into all of this chaos, we find now our story that picks up. And I want us to examine several reasons for why, why it is, it is, it is perilous for us to seek to be people-pleasing opportunists. And this is not something God has called us to. This is something God has called us away from, to honor Him in all things. And so this morning, let me show you the first thing. Why is it, let me answer a question for us. Why is it reckless and foolish 
to be an opportunistic people pleaser. Why is that? Why is it, why is it a, a reckless thing to be, and a foolish thing and an evil thing to be an opportunistic people pleaser? Well, first and foremost, it's because it exposes our sin and our pride. What do you, say, what do you mean by that? Well, the people, the people pleaser is, is all about self. Uh, the Amalekite here, the Amalekite wasn't doing this for David. He was doing this for himself. He was doing this so he would get honor. He would get glory. He would get praise. He would be seen as the great herald of great news. And so he was taking this opportunity uh, to, to exalt himself. And, and, and just like that today, they will say, uh, a people-pleasing opportunist will say or do whatever is necessary to gain control over other people. They will, they will even if it means resorting to, the, to deceit and manipulation. Uh, and, and ultimately, the, the ultimate cause for all of this is a wrong love that they have for themselves. I mean, they are, in every sense of the word, a narcissist. They are a narcissistic person. Uh, they are, they are a, a wickedly narcissistic person. And, and the Amalekite here, um, as we see, this, this young man, he, he was a, as it says, he was a young man. Um, so we're not sure exactly how young. But he did this because he wanted to be praised and exalted. He wanted to get into the favor, the good favor of, of the king. Right? He, he wanted to say, oh, you know, I can be the king's right-hand man now because I brought in this great news. And so he's going to reward me with houses and lands and people, slaves, property, everything else. But he did it all for his own glory. This young man was probably, more than likely, was a mercenary. I don't know that 100%, but more than likely he was a mercenary. That is a soldier that was hired by Saul uh, to be in the army. And he seems to have come, right, he seems to have come to David with a story and the royal symbols in order to get, those, to get favor, to gain favor with David. And it's interesting because this should have never actually happened. You say, well, what do you mean this should have never happened? Well, I mean, I don't just mean Saul dying on the battlefield. I mean, if he had been obedient to the Lord, God would have blessed him, but he wasn't. I don't just mean that. I mean, what was Saul's command back in 1 Samuel? First Samuel, God tells Saul very clearly through the prophet Samuel, he says, Saul, the, the Amalekites are wicked and evil and have done evil and wickedly in my sight and to my people, and you are going to be the hammer of God. You are going to be the hand of God upon the Amalekites, and you are going to strike them down and you are going to destroy them, showing forth my judgment upon them as a people. But what did Saul do? Saul didn't do that. He instead um, saved all the best things, all the best cattle, all the best uh, uh, lambs and camels and all kinds of things that he could find for himself, all the best jewelry, all the best things, and allowed his men to take them and didn't wipe out the Amalekites. He was not the hand of God upon the Amalekites as God had told him to be. And so now it's interesting that God told Saul to wipe out the Amalekites, that now an Amalekite comes bearing word of Saul's demise. And not just that, but we also have the interesting fact that David has just come back from doing exactly what God had told Saul to do, which was waging war against the Amalekites. And into all of this, we have this young Amalekite, this mercenary carrying the symbols of power of, for the new king and showing forward that uh, wickedness or, or our failing to follow through with God's word has 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 lasting 
uh, and, pro- and perhaps even unseen repercussions for us. If we're not careful, the, 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 the reality of us not obeying God is, is a ripple effect. Our, our disobedience to God is always a ripple effect. And it proceeds, it, it starts what seems like a small little ripple, but then it proceeds out and out and out and it constantly moves forward and, until it becomes a giant tidal wave which eventually engulfs us. And this was the case with Saul. And God's judgment had fallen upon Saul because of his wickedness. Um, and it's not, just, it, it's not just any Amalekite, is it? It's an Amalekite who did exactly what Saul was supposed to have done. Saul was supposed to have been the hand of God upon the Amalekite. The Amalekite now claims to have been the hand of God upon Saul. It's a very interesting framework that we, are, we, are, we see that's framed for us here. Um, and the Amalekite tells the story of how he saw Saul and how he, how, he, how he saw him leaning upon his spear as the army retreated, as the mercenaries retreated, and, and he saw him and he ends up killing him. And it's amazing that this isn't, this isn't, just, a, this isn't, a, 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 this isn't just simply a, a, an Old Testament problem. This is not a New Testament problem. This is a, this is a problem that still, we still have throughout our lifetimes, isn't it? I mean, we have everything. We have all kinds of people out there in the world. We have something called, and if you would have told me 15, 20 years ago, I would have never believed you. We even have people called social media influencers. I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, okay. But these, these are people who literally gain influence and influence people about brands and products and even people, right? And they, they gain all of these attention, and it's all about attention first. It's all about finding favor with others and gaining favor, gaining those likes, gaining those follows, gaining those whatever the case may be. It's all about being better, showing, showing that they are on the cutting edge of all of the latest gadgets and programs and whatever else the case may be but in reality um, it can these types of things well well they can be used for good right so don't hear me saying that it's all bad but it can be used for good but reality is all too often um, people use it in a way that is only for themselves they support themselves they look at themselves they say look at me look at us so much so that much of what you find if you're on social media um, is that everybody's life is perfect. Everybody has the best relationship, the best, uh, the, 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 they work out the most, and on and on they go. But in reality, it's all a lie. Just to curry favor with those that they follow so that everybody will think they're great and they want to be like them. But in reality, it's an empty world, and such is the case with the Amalekite, as you'll find out. His willingness, his desire to be an influencer in David's new kingdom quickly comes crashing down upon his head as he seeks to be an influencer. God um, ultimately uses David to, to be the hand of God to crush this Amalekite. But in Galatians 5.26, it says, listen, for us as Christians, we need to hear this. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So in other words... Don't be proud without good reason, right, or for, for, for good purpose. Don't be proud. I mean, be proud for the glory of God, right? Honor God, speak well of God, praise God, thank Him for His work in our lives, but we should never become conceited and envy one another. And we, want, we all want others to hold us in high esteem, don't we? I mean, I mean but, but it is pridefully sinful, or sinfully prideful maybe, when we, when we, when we focus excessively on getting the attention and, and getting, in order to gain people's favor, all kinds of 
all kinds of things, even to the point of, like I said, lying and, and distortion and all kinds of other things. But here's a second reality that it exposes for us. It, dispo- it exposes the dishonesty of our hearts. It exposes the dishonesty of our hearts. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, here's what I mean. The people pleaser, the, the, the opportuni- opportunist, seeks to use their words and their actions to persuade people with, to and win the attention of others. Now, don't he- mishear what I'm saying here. Well, I'm not saying that it is wrong for us to seek to persuade men, right, through the, through the preaching of the gospel or through, through, through calling out sin, right? That's not what we're talking about here. But what we are talking about is that, that people pleasers seek to use their words and the actions to persuade other people to focus on them. It's all about them. It's all about, again, the likes, the follows, the, 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 uh, the influence that they can then gain. And even if you're not into social media, I mean, ultimately, I mean, we want this. I mean, we want this. We want the likes. We want the followers. We want people to like us. We want, we want the boss to notice us. We want, we want to be promoted. We, we want, the, we want the, the, the people that are in our lives. I mean, if it didn't, I mean, TV wouldn't exist. Right? We want people to, 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 to like us, to focus on us. We, want, we like the attention. But in reality, the people pleaser, the opportunist, uh, loves, to, uh, loves the attention. Right? In, a, in an unhealthy, unbiblical, wicked way. And it's, it's hypocritical because the people pleasers are interested, at least mostly, in nothing but themselves. They pretend to be concerned about others, but it's merely a pretense. And so they use things like flattering of their lips to gain their own personal gain. So it's not a, a genuine, it's not a genuine, hey, you know what, thank you so much for your help. I appreciate you. I couldn't have done this without you. It's not, it's not a genuine one of those. It's, hey, I need this person in my pocket, so I'm going to use my words to help me get and curry their favor. And it exposes the dishonesty of our hearts. And the young Amalekite obviously shows all the correct signs of being in deep grief. Did you notice how he comes? I mean, this guy, from the starting point, looks absolutely legit. He's coming with his clothes torn, with dust on his head. I mean, this was, old, this was, this was ancient custom of, of being in deep mourning and in deep grief. And so he was coming, he had all the right symbols on his head and on his body. This guy was, was obviously tore up. He had been in battle. I mean, it was clear that he had been at war. So there was no, there was no doubt that the young man had seen action, right, in, in this battle, um, but now had, had, had f- was fleeing. Um, and so he, he had been in battle. It was clear. His t- clothes were torn. His, uh, the dust was upon his head. Uh, and it was clear there. Classic signs of grief in, in the ancient world. And he even fell at David's feet. And it says here, it says he did obeisance, or literally he paid respect. And uh, he, 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 he uh, was uh, showing David great honor and respect by doing this. But the motive behind why he was doing this is clear. Right? What was the motive? The motive was ultimately to gain favor. It wasn't to do the right thing. Because truthfully, if he had just brought these things and said, Here, David, King, you know, here are these things, and had not then told the rest of the story, um, which. there's a, there's a lot of reasons to doubt the, his his version of, of the story, but 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 if he hadn't have done this, uh, hadn't told this story or anything else, I mean the reality is is he would have never died. But unfortunately, as will often happen, our lips carry us far too far, and we pay the price for it. 
Right? The tongue starts wagging and it just can't stop. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in one of those situations, but sometimes you know, the tongue just starts wagging and, so, and then it's not until you think, oh, why did I just say that you realize I should have stopped a long time ago. Right? Well, that was the case with the young Amalekite. He did this. He did this as a, as a, as a, as a mercenary. Uh, he did this, and, and his heart was clearly exposed in all of this, his dishonesty. He was a classic opportunistic. He was a classic people pleaser. His heart was full of deceit. His heart was full of deception. The outer signs of grief and mourning in no way reflected his heart. You know, it's like saying, hey, uh, you know, we, we need an apology here or, you know, to your kids or somebody else, and, and there's absolutely no heartfelt emotion whatsoever in that apology. That just that does not pass the test of godly grief and, mer- and, 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 and sorrow. And this man had none of that. Um, and he, he, he suspected, I think you'll find that he suspected that his flattery to David would ultimately bring blessing. And I think that's ultimately what you'll find as you, as you go through the story. You'll see, I, I think his heart is clearly exposed here. And, and, and I would say this, I would, I would follow that up by saying too few uh, people pleasers imagine that their favorable words are bringing them under God's judgment, just like this Amalekite. I mean, this Amalekite thought he was going to get pleasure and blessing, but he got curse and judgment because of it. And I don't think, I, I think so few, so few people who are, who are given in to people pleasing imagine that, uh, that their favorable words are going to bring them under God's judgment. You say, well, pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, let me quote to you Psalm 12, 2 through 4. They speak idly, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips and double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things. Who have said with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? And this is the heart of a people-pleasing opportunist. This is, a, this, this, is a, this, is, this is their heart. This is the heart of a, of a wicked man or a wicked woman who seeks only to be honored and not to honor, truly honor God or others. But then there's, a, there's another reality, there's another exposure here, which is that, the, that that exposes the wickedness of our heart because we seek to control others. And in reality, if, if you know, uh, there, there are a lot of people who, who uh, employ this tactic, right? They, they want people, to, um, they want people to, 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 to look at them and to say how great they are. Um, and, but at the end of the day, what, what are they trying to do? They're trying to control them, Right? Um, we, I mean, in the end of the day, we can only presume to know what will impress the other person. And more often than not, it's based on presumption, just like the Amalekite here. The Amalekite presumed that by bringing David this, these, these symbols of, of the king and by, uh, by t- telling David he has killed Saul, that it's going to curry favor with David. But he assumed wrong. He presumed that David would be pleased by his actions towards Saul and pleased with the delivery of Saul's crown and his, his armlets, his, uh, his uh, symbols of power. And how do we know? Because seeing Saul dead, the only thought that the Amalekites seemed to have was to quickly take the crown off, take the armlets off, and run to David. That was the first thought that this Amal- young Amalekite seemed to have. Let's grab the crown, grab the armlets, and let's run. Let's go. Let's go to David. Let's, let's talk to David. Let's get in David's good side because I, 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 I feel the winds of change are blowing and they're a blowing hard and better to be on the right side than the wrong side. Better to be on the right side of history than the wrong side. In reality, 
Most of the time when people say let's be on the right side of history, they're going to be on the wrong side of history. In reality, this Amalekite felt justified by taking Saul's crown and his armlets, his power, his, his symbols of power. After all, he was dead. What was he going to do with them? And he could carry great favor with King David. And he felt justified in doing this. Right? He felt justified in telling David this story. He felt justified in the reality that, uh, that uh, he, could, he could show David great favor and thereby gain David's favor as well. Right? The people pleaser sets out to buy the esteem of others. But the question becomes at the end of the day, at what cost? And at the cost of this young Amalekite, it's going to be his life. With us, it may never be as quite as drastic, but the question becomes for us, at what cost do we seek to control other people? Because at the end of the day, I mean, we aren't able to control other people. We can only hope that we can control other people. We can only hope that we can control the parameters in which they can then react and interact, and then we can then act like some kind of grand chess master. But in reality... It's a house of cards that all comes crumbling down. And even if you know how to gain favor of a particular individual, human beings are fickle and ever-changing, aren't we? I mean, we're we're fickle people. We change all the time. What may please someone today may not meet their approval tomorrow. At the end of the day, a people pleaser is ultimately a chameleon. And this is why they're so dangerous. They're a chameleon. They, they, they do not have an identity of their own. They just try to blend in with, with their surroundings. They try to stick their finger in the wind and say, hmm, is the wind blowing this way? Is the wind blowing that way? And thus we have the, all kinds of the issues that we have in our nation today because we have people who say, oh, I believe one thing, but then they stick their finger in the air and they see the, they feel or they think they feel the winds of change are blowing and all of a sudden, well, you know, I've rethought my position, so now today I'm this. But then maybe tomorrow they're back to that. And then the next day and then the next week and the next year. And on and on they go. A chameleon at the end of the day. Never standing on principle. Always seeking approval. No matter the cost of themselves or others. And, 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 and let me say this. This is why I think you see and you feel. Uh, although we, we haven't yet to begun to see what that change is ultimately going to look like. A desire for something more in our nation. I think you see the, the tired masses of people that are saying, we're tired of chameleons. We want people of principle. Now, granted, I don't know where that will ultimately end, maybe nowhere, but I, as, a, as someone that is hopeful uh, about uh, the, the end of history and the end of time, someone who believes that the gospel is going to conquer all and the nations are going to bow, let me just simply say this. I believe that God is at work Um, We need to be men and women of principle, standing upon principle. We need to be men and women not seeking to gain approval. No matter the cost to ourselves or to others, we must stand upon the Word of God. The Word of God is all we have is the church of Jesus Christ. And we must stand upon the principle of the Word of God. We are not allowed to be chameleons. We are not allowed to say, oh, well, let's just shade my words in this direction so then I can get by with this group and this group. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. We need to call sin, sin. We need, to, we need to stand upon the word of God. We need to call murder, murder. We need to call sin, sin. We need to call whatever it is, the, the sin that it is. And we need to honor God in standing upon his word. 
So let me ask you this. What is the, what is the cure then for all of this? What's the cure for, for, for being an opportunist or a, a people pleaser? Uh, what, what, what is the cure for this? Well, I think in the end, um, I think we gain a couple of different insights from our text. The first is honesty, truth. I mean, truth, honesty. I mean, that loving truth. God, our God is a God of truth. He loves truth. He loves honesty. He loves when he is honored uh, and he gains the praise, the praise of men. And I would say this, uh, God is honored when men simply tell the truth. God is praised when men and women tell the truth, when we're honest about things. And God has not called, look, 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 we live in a time when, when political answers don't cut, don't cut it anymore. Political answers don't cut it anymore. We need to say, thus says the Lord, and let the Lord say what he says. We must let God roar as he roars. We, we must not try to silence or quiet the roar. We must not try to, try, to, try, to, try to shade the roar in a way that makes it a little more palatable for the world to embrace. We must let Christ roar. We must let the word roar. It's not time for us to be opportunistic people pleasers trying to blunt the sharp ends of, of the, the culture that seeks to hate, that, that not just seeks, but hates God and seeks to, seeks to suppress the truth of God, right, in unrighteousness. We're not called to be those people. We're called to speak the truth. We're called, we're called as pastors and, and, and as, as, as Christians, we're called to speak forth truth. And there's always temptations. As a, as a pastor, I'll, I'll be honest with you, there's always the temptation. Whether we're talking about the imitation of, of other better, greater known pastors, right? Or the imitation of, of shading something a little more politically correct because, we, well, we don't want to lose this side or this side. In reality, most of the time, those, those, those pastors don't last long. And so better just to say, thus says the Lord, and be done with it and allow God to roar. Allow God to speak. Allow God to be who God is. Right? And the pastors of a local congregation need to be constantly reminded that their chief audience is God. But not just the pastors, but I would even say this. I, I would even say that the Christian, we need to be constantly reminded that our audience is Christ. It is God himself. And there, there is the danger of allowing the fear of man to affect the way we speak. And we must not. Now certainly that doesn't mean we ought to be a bunch of jerks. And we shouldn't go, right? I mean, we shouldn't. But, but, but listen to me, church. Listen to me well, right? As one, as one pastor says, um, it's not whether, it's which. It's not whether this culture is going to serve the Lord, or serve a God. It's which God are they going to serve. And church, the same is true for us. It's not whether, it's which. Are, are we going, are we going to serve the Lord? Are we going to serve Christ? Are we going to honor God? Are we going to call, call things out in truth? Or are we going to be the servant of the, of the, of the, of the, of the God that does not exist that many, many, many people worship today? And I wish I was making this up. There's a push right now, and you say, well, you know, this doesn't surprise you. 
Probably not, it, it, but it did surprise me. There's actually a push right now um, among some of the larger, uh, not just larger, but, but, but more mainline Protestant denominations to embrace what they're calling the divine feminine. Um, listen, it's, 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 it's stupid and hellish. And it proceeds from the radical feminism, the, 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 the foolish feminism, uh, and the secular feminism that I talked about last week. I know it was a great, it was a great sermon for Mother's Day, but um, I'm just telling you that, that honestly, honestly, that as God's word tells us, we are called to be honest and truthful. And the Amalekite here embellishes the story that there was truth in it, but he embellishes it. And we must, but we must be honest people. I think the second reality is we must please God above everything. You must please God above everything. What do you mean by that? Well, first, the Amalekite completely disregarded the law of God. He had zero regard for the honor of God. He disregarded the, uh, the, uh, the, um, the, uh, uh, the honor and the law of God. That is, he, uh, even, though he, uh, even though it's clear from 1 Samuel, uh, the, latter part of, the latter chapters of 1 Samuel, Saul died not by this, by this man, but, um, but was, he died from, uh, from being um, destroyed by, by arrows and, and, and ultimately died that way. This young man, he puts, he puts himself in a place that completely disregards the law of God. He has zero regard for God's honor. And notice David's own words, and this is clear from David's own words here in 2 Samuel 1.14. He says, so David said to him, how is it that you were not afraid to put forth your hand and destroy the Lord's anointed? And, you know, at first glance we may say, well, Saul was dying, but... But, I mean, if this man's story was true, why not call for a chariot that he said was passing by, call forth the chariot, place Saul on it, and try to seek to get him to safety. But instead, he stands over him, according to his own word, and he slaughters him, right? The Amalekite had no fear of God, but God is our audience, and his opinion is the only one that matters. If we're going to be faithful to Christ, if we're going to be faithful to the gospel, if we're going to be faithful to the word of God, we must not seek the praise of men, but we must also weather the criticism of men. And I know that in our world, in our society, in our culture, it's not popular. It's not cool for us to be criticized. But Christian, it's not whether, it's which. Every culture has an orthodoxy. Every culture has an orthodoxy. They all, they, whether we realize it or not, it's which orthodoxy do they, do they go by, the God of the culture or the God of Scripture? We who go by the God of the Scripture cannot be surprised when those who follow the God of this world criticize and slander us. And every Christian, as every Christian, we must be on guard. We must be on guard against people pleasing. We should seek to honor one another. So don't get me wrong. We should seek to honor one another. We should seek to praise God uh, through, by honoring one another. We're told to do this. We're told to honor one another and to put one another before ourselves. We are told to do that in Scripture. But at the end of the day, what was it the apostles said in Acts 5.29 when they were told no longer to preach the gospel? They were told we ought to obey God rather than men. That's what they told the civil authority. In 1 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4, it says, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. So would we rather be judged in the court of, of, of human opinion or whether we would be rather judged by the court of God's law? I would rather, uh, and, and God's, uh, by, by being pleasing to God. So what does God think of, of our lives? What, where, where are our lives? What are we doing? Is God pleased with our lives? 
Listen, uh, you know, back in the 90s, it was cool to say, well, WWJD. But here's what a lot of people did with that, okay? All right? WWJD, what would Jesus do in this situation? Well, you know, I feel, uh uh-uh, wrong, 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 wrong. That's your first mistake. Jesus, you don't feel nothing. Jesus tells us what he would do in his word, right? But that's what a lot of people do. Well, what would Jesus do? What would, what would, what would God have me do? And then they come up with all kinds of cockamamie thoughts about, about how they can justify their sin and how they can do this and how they can do that or not say this or not say that in a way that, that they don't have to take in the criticism from, from everything that, that, that they know they'll receive, right? And so that God has not called us to do that. So we can't rely, and I would say this, we, we can't rely on our subjective feelings, but on the word of God. We know what God says would please him. We know what God has provided to us, an unchanging standard. The Amalekite failed to recognize, he failed to recognize that David's function was not ever-changing or subjective in his, in his application of God's law. And our application of God's law in our lives is not, unchang- not ever-changing. It's not one day it's this and the next day it's that. We are, not, we are subject to God's word and God's approval. 2 Samuel 1.10, it says very clearly, So I stood over him and killed him because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. Again, are you, I mean, who, were, who was he to make this final analysis? No one. David himself did not, even, uh, did not even raise his hand against the Lord's anointed. The Amalekite story was ultimately designed to gain the respect and approval of David. He thought he was being good in his deception. But David saw him as a murderer. And he claimed to be a murderer, and David judged him as a murderer. 2 Samuel 1, 14-16 here says, So David said to him, How is it you were not afraid to put forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called one of the young men and said, Go near and execute him. And he struck him so, he, so, he, so that he died. So David said to him, Your blood is on your own head, for your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. So, let me just sort of close this up by saying this. So, how, I mean, like, how, how should we conclude all this, right? So we have, we have what a people pleaser looks like, what, a, what an opportunist looks like. Now we have, you know, before us some of the cures. But what does this look like for us as Christians, right? I, I feel like I've given you a little bit of this, but, but let me just sort of conclude in this way. We are called to please God, brothers and sisters. We are called to please God. And we are called to place that as our priority in our lives, whether that's as husbands, fathers, sons, daughters, mothers, wives, whatever you do, nurses, doctors, teachers, lawyers, it doesn't matter, homemakers, God has called you to honor him and please him in everything you do and say. God has called you to not seek to prioritize yourself but him in all of life. I think second of all, God's pleasure cannot be purchased, Christian. God's not going to be pleased with you because you do enough good, nice things. God is not interested in our empty attempts of gaining his favor. There is only one way that we gain his favor, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. It is through Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that we are made right with God and curry God's favor. We are not called upon then to do everything right, hoping, just hoping, and hoping that God notices us and our attempts gain his favor. That's not how this works. We simply are faithful to Christ. We, we seek to be faithful to the Lord. The only way that you and I can approach the Father is, through humble, hum, is to humble ourselves 
to him through faith in Jesus Christ alone. This is in this is in stands in absolute contrast to you have to to do enough good works to get to heaven. No, 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 no. Christ did the work. We depend upon his work. We look to Christ. We trust in Christ and the work that Christ has done. And it's his work that gets credited to us, not our works. Now, certainly we work to, for the glory of God in all that we do. But at the end of the day, it's not be, that doesn't make God honor us or pleased with us. Right, And this is why it always makes me so crazy when I heard growing up, I always heard, and thinking back on this, that just makes God sad. Stop it. Stop it. Stop telling people that. That makes God sad. That's ridiculous. You can't go around telling kids that. That's foolishness and gives God an absolute black eye. Oh, not black eye, but gives God an absolute uh, bad reputation and name when it comes to that. You are not teaching the doctrine of God. You're teaching the doctrine of your feel-good, nicety-niceness. And so Christ has called us to please him and to honor him and to come to him by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, trusting in the works of Christ, trusting in his good works, not ours. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things, or whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Because understand, the heart of the wicked person can never understand the heart of God. It's not about whether, it's about which. It's not about whether our culture is going to serve a God, it's about which God are they going to serve. And we have a prime opportunity to call the wicked to repentance and faith, knowing that Christ is sovereign, our God is sovereign, 